We're happy Animal Equality is our nonprofit sponsor. Everyday Animal Equality is working to end the suffering of farmed animals. To create a world where all animals are respected and protected, they need your help. Your donation will allow Animal Equality to fund important investigations into factory farms and slaughterhouses, exposing the cruelty that happens behind closed doors. From now until the end of the year, your gift will be doubled, so donate today. You can make a difference for animals, and together we can change the world. Hi, welcome to Launch Left, an intentional space for art and activism, a podcast, a label, a launch pad for left of center artists. I'm Rain Phoenix, and today's very special guest is Craig Wedren. Please don't forget to rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Please welcome Craig to the show. God, we've had some good times together, Craig Wedren, back in the good old New York City days. I know. Don't you miss just like getting undressed and rolling around with your friends? <laughs> I know. I really do, especially uh, for such a uh, transformative political cabaret that yeah. was the Citizens Band, like yeah. for a purpose, you know? Yeah. It was like, we got to do all of it. We got to like have fun, party, look cute, and do things that mattered for the world. You know what I mean? It was like the best combo, perform, sing, write music. When it was good, it was so, so good. Dance. (laughs) I miss tap dancing regularly. I actually did incorporate tap into my my live show for my last record, uh, River, because I love it so much and I missed all the time I got to be tap dancer in the Citizens Band. Are Are you a good tap dancer? Like, are you... Meh. I mean, I was as a child, and then I kind of uh, stopped for, I don't know, 30 years. And then Ronan, as you remember, Ronan was yeah. amazing at yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at tap. And so she would choreograph, and that helped me get back into it a little. Right. Yeah. So tell Are me you- a little bit about yourself, Craig, as if I don't know you. Like, what's the new Craig up to? What am I up to? Well, I mean, as you heard, right this second... I'm finishing up um, a couple seasons of, or I'm finishing up seasons for a couple of TV shows I'm working on, um, and which is sort of my day job these days, um, film and TV. I would say TV is my day job. Film is like evening and night, and then uh, nighttime and late nighttime is working on my own stuff. If I were to categorize them, wow. just because, just because of the, just because of the sort of. Um, rigor or like rigidity of TV schedules just because it's like adding out you know a lot of music on a very very tight schedule which I love just because it um, forces me to kind of get over myself a little bit you know get my head out of my um, out of the belly button in my butt and um, (laughs) and kind of just make music and so I love that and uh, and then film stuff is like a little more luxurious because it's not on a weekly basis, and so that's really like a whole kind of kind of middle set of muscles. And then working on my own stuff, which is which spans songs and records, which I've been doing my whole life, um, combined with a lot of meditation music I've been doing. I've been doing a lot of like vocal looping, improvised sort of ambient choral meditation music that I call 
Sabbath sessions. So I've been doing those too. And, and so it all just kind of swirls. And some of it is um, in cahoots with others. Uh, I love collaborating with my friends. And, um, and I think the band part of me that, you know, grew up in Shudder to Think and then even in Citizens Band um, really, really relishes those moments um, of just getting to like be in the sandbox with people that I love and musicians that I respect and not quite knowing what's going to happen next. Um, and because of my band experience formative back in the day, I also love not being chained to that existence, to like having to work with, um, to always work with other people. I love the sort of malleability of the different combinations of projects I get to do these days. It keeps everything, like everything feeds everything. Right. And right. keeps everything else like fresh and growing. So there's, I feel like there's less like calcification than in the 20th century, <laughs> if that makes sense. Just because yeah, there's all, like, all different things we do. There's like a symbiosis to all of all of the different ways that you're engaging music and the creative. It's like they're yeah. all feed off each other. And I feel um, like you. I feel like you do the same. Yeah, I, you know the year. The I mean the the year the. Uh, the multi-platform artist is no longer seen as what do we do with them? Luckily, <laughs> it was brutal. It was brutal in the early aughts. It was like really difficult to, yeah. to be a multi-platform artist that wanted to do a bunch of different things creatively yeah. and not, not be judged for it basically like, Oh, you're not serious about this. Cause you want to also do that. Well, also you know? just the way that the business was structured yeah. Um, at least in the '90s, when um, Shutter Think was was making records with Epic, um, Epic Sony, I remember we went to them at a certain point. We're like, we're gonna do film soundtracks, and we're gonna write with other artists, and we're gonna produce them, and we're gonna keep making, and and and, and we have all these experimental like side projects, and we're just like. We literally don't know what you're talking about, and that's not, <laughs> that's not really going to fly. Or they would indulge us, and this is no offense to them. It was just the way it was structured, mm -hmm. and um, or or they would sort of indulge us by kind of semi-releasing and supporting things. You know, being like, "Great, let's do it," and then not really do it, and uh, which which especially at the time in our 20s when we were like ambitious and still somewhat naive in that great way where it's like we're going to do it all yeah, um, yeah. um it was it was so heartbreaking at times even though you've heard all the stories it's not even like like we knew you know we knew what we were signing up for but nonetheless those blows are i mean probably formative and important as long as you don't let them like stop Shape you, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah um but but i just remember i remember feeling heartbroken about some stuff i know nathan was heartbroken about stuff um and then ironically like we just wound up doing it anyway on this side of the um of the what century line the millenn millennium line <laughs> the digital uh, what is 
Yeah, yeah I know what internet, you're saying. Yes, exactly. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm so curious. I'm going to ask you the thing I'm always curious about with everyone I talk to on the show. And usually uh, one of my main questions is how music found you like originally as a, Mm -hmm. as a child or yeah. What was your first like aha music moment? It it was, um, it was already there. It just, it hadn't occurred to me that it was an option or a, or a thing that um, mere mortals could do. Because it, it was um, it was in my DNA. It was in my family. We, we didn't have we didn't really have any like artists who had taken the leap. But there were singers, and everybody was a music nerd, and there were some theater people on the cousin side of things. But but it was a fairly conservative, um, not politically, but just kind of culturally. Midwestern Jewish family. And so, you know, they were patrons of the arts, but you didn't take that risk. You, you know, became a teacher or a stockbroker or a doctor or a lawyer. And, um, but if you, if you, if you play those odds enough and there are enough music and art lovers in the family, you're bound to get an artist at some point. Um, And it was always about music for me since memory, since the radio, singing along with my mom in the car, um, dancing around to Little Richard in like our tidy whities with my dad, you know, um, from very young age. And I think as with so many um, guys my age, like American guys my age who came through punk, the revelation happened at around age eight or nine with Kiss, where it was like, wait, these are a bunch of Jewish nerds who are superhero monsters playing heavy metal. I mean, not heavy metal, like whatever they were playing. and that literally checked all my boxes. You know, it was like superheroes, monsters, hard rock, and nerdy Jews. <laughs> and so, and so, so it was. It was probably around like Kiss Alive too, and mixed with Elton John's Greatest Hits, which was would have been my mom's collection. You know, she had that great Greatest Hits record where he's like wearing the white suit by the piano that every single person had. Mm-hmm. And maybe she had like Captain Fantastic or something like that. And so it was really those two things. Obviously, there was a tendency or, or like an attraction to um, the theatrical, but also the lyrical and, and the melodic. Um, and so once I put two and two together and I was like, oh, these are just misfits who... Um, went for it, there was no turning back. So it was probably around age nine that um, the meteor hit. And by the time I was 12, I was singing in bands, like cover bands, whatever we were into. It was Cleveland, so we weren't, you know, as cool as the coasts. But what that meant was Sex Pistols, Bee Gees, uh, 
Clash and Journey all got equal kind of billing in the cover bands that we were in, um, Ozzy and Susie. And so uh, it, it was just go from there. And, and then the third thing that comes to mind is around the age of 14, I was hanging out with my friend Matt Fields in our mutual friend David Wayne's basement. And he had this like great sort of production basement because his dad was in radio. So there was like a two track reel to reel machine and a drum kit and like a microphone. And um, we would just make stuff in there. And I remember Matt and I, I think we were listening to like Tones on Tail or Bauhaus or The Residents or something like that. And we were like, let's do something weird like that. And of course, whenever you set out to do something like something else, especially when you're young, before you know better, you get it wrong and you wind up discovering yourself. And so I just remember this one recording session where we made two songs where we were trying to be, you know, like some Bauhaus offshoot and um, the band Bauhaus offshoot. And it wound up sounding just like us. And, and it was that feeling that of like recognition that um, is still the feeling, the sort of habit feeling I come from and look for when I'm making music now. And you're, you're LA based now. We both used to be in New York and you love it here or? I love it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's me wild. We live um, one block above Franklin on Taft Avenue. So it's like basically Bronson Canyon, Beachwood Canyon. And um, two blocks below us is just a whole world of homeless encampments. Yeah. And two blocks above us are like 20, $30 million houses. Right. Um, so it's just this, it has this like um, density, uh, a variety is maybe making light of, 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 of a near apocalyptic collision of extremes that's happening right now. But, uh -huh. but, but it's, um, it feels real. It feels like, how do we put this? Like that. I, th I think sometimes that the time that we're in right now of accelerated, change and accelerated like it like an atomic like a particle collider but of radically different elements um that seems to be spinning faster and faster and attracting more and more variety to itself i kind of feel like la is um you you experience that on, on the surface, there's no hiding from that. And I really, really like that, even though it's um, unnerving and, uh, and at times very harsh. Yeah. Very beautiful too. Mm. I mean, block by block, you know, you look up yeah. and the sky and the trees and you look down and, you know, uh, uh, needles and, and mayhem. I want to, um, 
talk a little bit about your newest project and your record because we're going to play your song to close the show. And so can you share with us and our listeners and watchers what your newest personal project is as an artist and uh, as opposed to composer? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, It's called The Dream Dreaming. And originally it was going to be a record. I mean, I had about 20 songs or something. They were all in various states of, you know, incompletion on my computer. And I decided that given the way my life is, which is filled, um, I try not to use the word like busy. I'm so busy, right? As if it's Mm -hmm. a problem. Um, Mm -hmm. Life is full. And if I wait to release complete albums, if I wait until an entire album is done, it's like years and years and years go by. And then I'm always waiting until I have a chunk of time to, or I have to carve out a chunk of time to really finish it and only focus on that thing. Like the old fashioned way that we Mm -hmm. used to make records where it was like all we did for a couple months. Um, As opposed to always working on something or a few things or one thing. And so I thought I'd just do a singles series for this, instead of making an album. so every about six weeks or so, I'm putting out a new song. And during COVID, I started, or d- during lockdown, I, I started making videos. And so I'm doing a song and a video every six weeks or so. And basically, I just got everything up to about 80% level. And while I'm working on a TV show or a movie or just living and being with my family and friends, I'm also zeroing in pretty deeply on completing a new song and video. So it's this really nice, again, cross-pollination, little popcorn popper of different types of projects. And it, it, on the one hand, what I've noticed is that it feels day-to-day and moment-to-moment much more satisfying to be working like that instead of having to hold off on the personal stuff. Um, on the other hand, when I complete a song in a video, it's way less exciting than finishing a record. (laughs) Yeah, but it's really interesting. I like this idea of, you know, 80% done and then the, the aliveness of finishing something, creating a video and then putting it out right away so that it is new and fresh. It's not like this archival 20 songs you made and you put it all out at once. And you know what I mean? Every single time you release a single, it just got finished. And yeah. so did the video. And that is really cool because that yeah. maintains a kind of freshness that sometimes just dropping a whole bunch of songs won't, you know? Yeah. So that yeah. I like that idea. Thanks for being on the show and for your beautiful music. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Craig Wedren. You are listening to Launch Left. And this is You Are Not Your Feelings. Don't forget, You Are Not Your Feelings.
We want to again thank Animal Equality for being our nonprofit sponsor and remind you that your donations will be doubled. So please, until the end of the year, give freely and donate. Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. 